Good morning. Welcome to our worship assembly. We invite your attention to the New Testament book of Philippians in chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, be ready with verses 19 through 30. Philippians 1, 19 through 30. The city of Philippi was a Roman colony in Macedonia. It was outside of Rome, strictly speaking, but it was a Roman colony in Macedonia. You see, the Roman government often granted citizenship status to various locations or cities, and that was generally considered to be a very high privilege. It was a Roman outpost, the leading city in Macedonia, Roman veterans retired there, and the general mood of the city was to celebrate their status as a Roman colony. The Apostle Paul is writing to Christians there, who according to Philippians 3 and verse 20, held an even higher citizenship as servants in the kingdom of Christ. Paul said in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven. Now, I want us to think about citizenship. In this case, dual citizenship. They were Roman citizens, but far higher than that, they were citizens in the kingdom of Christ. Now, in both cases, what does citizenship require? It requires a form of behavior in keeping with that citizenship. And so in their Roman citizenship in Philippi, there were expectations. There was a code of conduct. Citizenship requires a particular manner of life. Now, go above their Roman citizenship. These Christians enjoyed heavenly citizenship. They were citizens in the kingdom of Christ. What kind of behavior was expected? Philippians 1, 19 through 30. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be put to shame, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose... I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because 
of my coming to you again. I'm at verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Philippians 1, 19-30 From this statement by the Apostle Paul, I want to highlight four things for our learning and our application today about living in Christ. Living like this is to live a delivered life. Consider the writer of the letter. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. And here he said, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. If you are living in a circumstance of suffering, but you know how it will turn out, you are certain how it will turn out. You are equipped, therefore, to bear up under that suffering. Let me say that again. If you're living in a circumstance of suffering, but you know how it will turn out. You're certain of that. You are therefore equipped to bear up and be strong during that period of suffering. We have a common expression that we use all the time when there is some unpleasant circumstance. But we know it's temporary. And so we say something like this, it's going to be okay. There's pain now, but it isn't permanent. I have to deal with some conflict or issue now, but there is an end in view. There is what we sometimes call light at the end of the tunnel. Paul was suffering, but not complaining. He was in pain, but he was not in despair, because he knew his suffering wouldn't last forever. He said, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Here is a simple, profound truth you can take with you today. God delivers His people. It may not be as quickly as we would prefer. It may not be the way that we would have expected, but God delivers His people through prayers and His gracious response. Brothers and sisters in Christ, 
Whatever you're going through now that is unpleasant and chaotic and painful, it isn't going to last forever. In Christ, we live delivered lives. I'm going to the book of Hebrews. I'll give you time to get there in chapter 2, 14 through 18. Hebrews chapter 2, 14 through 18. The inspired writer speaks of Christ who came in the flesh. He fulfilled the spiritual blessings God said would be offered to all families of the earth, all the way back in Genesis 12. What God promised to and through Abraham, Christ brought, and there is this in Hebrews 2, 14 to 18. Since therefore... The children share in flesh and blood. He, that's Christ, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." delivered lives for those who respond to Christ and live in Him. It says He is able to help those who are being tempted. Folks, it's going to be okay. In fact, way beyond okay, delivered from the power of death to eternal glory, that's what people who live in Christ have. Number two, living in Christ is a courageous life. You heard our brother read from Philippians 1 earlier. I'm going back to 20 and 21. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. If God's people, if God's people depend upon His deliverance in His time, according to His will, in His power, that knowledge of deliverance produces courage now. Knowledge of God delivering His people in His time and by His power and in His way, knowledge of that produces courage in God's people today. That deliverance has that product. Courage that we need to stand firm, to cultivate spiritually healthy desire, and to keep maturing. The passage we visited in Hebrews 2 speaks to being delivered from the fear of death. We live in a time when courageous 
living is essential. If we are to make a difference and have the influence God expects of us, there is no reason to be afraid to speak of Christ in the public square, to start conversations about what is right before God. No reason to be silent, no reason to listen to error, no reason to hesitate in expressing the truth of God. Paul preached himself into a Roman prison. And I think we would call that fearless. Look at Philippians 1.28. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. Paul wasn't afraid of the enemies, the opponents. He didn't want the saints at Philippi to be afraid. But what if someone doesn't like what I say? What if somebody is disturbed by the way I live? What will happen? I may be marked. I may be excluded. I may be misunderstood. Turn to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13 beginning. 1 Peter 3, 13 to 17. Peter is writing to suffering Christians and he was writing to encourage them. And he gave them these words. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord always, being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. We need to overcome our fear by faith, knowing God delivers His people. There is a living, courageous faith we can have when we believe in God, love Him, and know that He delivers His people. We don't set out to create enemies or to be abrasive or provocative. Our purpose is to preach the truth and live the truth we preach without being alarmed or surprised or intimidated by those who might disagree with us or oppose us. Living in Christ is a delivered life. It is a courageous life. It is a fruitful life. Back in Philippians 1, I'm reading now 22 through 24. 22 through 24. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, 
for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Fruitful labor. When you look at the recent inflation index, fresh fruit is up about 10%. One of the most important ingredients for good nutrition, expensive but necessary. The fruit of the Spirit is not indexed in economic reports. Can't be purchased at HEB, but is essential for good spiritual health. Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5? Galatians chapter 5. We've been studying the book of Galatians in our Bible class. It was written first to address false doctrine, but reacting to false doctrine must always be accompanied by true living, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. I'm in Galatians 5, 22 to 24. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So much conversation and controversy over the years, drama in the religious world about the Holy Spirit. People want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Seldom ever do those debates and discussions arrive at Galatians 5, 22 to 24. I say to people all the time, if you want something from the Holy Spirit, what does this sound like? And then I read these verses in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's what we need from the Holy Spirit. Yet, against such things there is no law. And these various items of fruit have not been impacted by the inflation index. A worthy life. Verses 27 through 30. In Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Only <clears throat> let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Let me circle back to something I said in my introduction. 
Philippi was a Roman colony. Philippi was a Roman colony, and the people there generally took great pride in their Roman status. Roman citizenship was to be accompanied by conduct in keeping with the privilege. But these Philippian colonists lived on an even higher plane, a citizenship that took priority over their earthly citizenship, their citizenship in the kingdom of Christ. And here, Paul speaks to the conduct that was to accompany that higher citizenship. Paul is saying, your manner of life must be in keeping with the gospel you obeyed. A manner of life in keeping with the will of the highest emperor or king over you, Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on to say, not just when I'm there with you do you need to maintain this kind of conduct. You need to be standing firm side by side for the faith of the gospel all the time. And this expression, a worthy life, a life, in, a, a manner of life worthy of the gospel is comprehensive. Every thought, every component of how you deal with people and think about people, moral purity, prayer and worship, doing things scripturally, uncompromising about the faith of the gospel. This isn't behavior that is limited to a building or to a group of people. This is private, public. This is faith making a difference in your life. This is bearing the fruit of the Spirit. This is working with other Christians to do what God has said ought to be done. This is self-examination. This is about suffering with grace and joy in Christ. This is your whole life before God. A manner of life worthy of the gospel. So, I need to ask myself, am I really living a whole manner of life in keeping with my citizenship in heaven? Are there areas of thought, life, or external behavior that need to be brought more in line with the truth of the gospel? I've been in prisons as a visitor. I cannot imagine being there as an inmate. Freedom seriously restricted. Fear every day. Hunger. Ill health. Paul was writing this letter from the jailhouse. While we don't know all the details about his incarceration, he says he was in prison. Let me ask you, what kind of letter would you write from prison? Paul is not pleading for some escape plan. He is, in verse 13, preaching the gospel to others there with boldness and in defense of the gospel, even the guards. Now he's writing to his friends in Philippi, who may someday also be persecuted to the point of incarceration. And the epistle is punctuated with joy 
And that joy is framed in the context of daily activity of faith in Christ. That's the way we live this way. Paul wants his brothers and sisters in Philippi, and he wants those here, us, to see in our life in Christ, deliverance, may not be as quick as we'd like, courage, because we know of that deliverance, bearing fruit, a life pursued against all opposition that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. And in Philippians 1.29, keep the purpose in mind. The purpose is captured by a phrase, for Christ's sake. There may be people in this audience who've not responded to the gospel of Christ. You've heard the message. Maybe you're at a point of belief in Jesus Christ, ready to confess your faith, repent of your sin, and be baptized into Christ. We invite that good response while we stand together to sing.